0: i think the first song that we were ever trying to like learn or cover was down with the sickness <laughs> yeah and it just sounded fucking Sick. terrible but we we were just 13 year old kids like trying yeah. to get after it. everyone you know? was so... just
1: wanting to do that <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah oh yeah. Wow. yeah that riff's hard though i'm not gonna lie This is don from swing low and you're watching the scoped exposure podcast with them chilly boys
1: Hell yeah. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. This is another episode of the Scoped Exposure podcast. Um, Today, we're welcoming uh, a guitar player whose guitar seems to always be smiling, uh, Ryan of Absence of Mind. Thanks for joining me on the podcast, man.
0: Thanks for having me, dude. I appreciate it. Of course.
1: You know, Ryan and I have been talking about this um, for for many moons um, and, you know... For a
0: couple months now, yeah. For a couple
1: months. And, you know, not only because I'm a huge fan of the band and have questions on that regard, but also with some of the, I guess, like the other things that you're currently involved in. Uh, I've been in those worlds and understand that, so we're going to be chatting music and trucks and a whole shwack of other things. (laughs) Um, (laughs) All right, bro. but, But Ryan, for the few folks at home who might not know who you are, can you just say, hey, what's up? I'm Ryan, and this is how I'm known in heavy music.
0: Yeah, my name is Ryan. I play guitar in absence of mine. I also do a little bit of the background singing bullshit in the band, so... Yeah, we've we've been a band since like twenty eighteen, but there was a there was a previous adaptation of it called Frustrated, which there's there'll be a handful of people out there that know about it. So <laughs> Okay. We we've been around for a couple years and it's it's been awesome. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited to be chatting. Um, you know, the the latest thing that you guys put out, uh the LP of Smile Smile Aren't You Happy is it's definitely up there as far as, in my opinion, most innovative like hardcore records in the last couple of years. Um, so Thank I'm you, really man. really excited to be chatting about that. Um, but before we get super into it, uh, we got to do our bev check of the episode. So I think I <laughs> I saw what you're stepping on already. So give it the proper intro that it deserves. <laughs> King, <bug-weiser>. of <laughs> King
0: of beers, King of beers. I I was I was on a huge craft beer kick for like. Most of 2018 into 2019, and especially when I moved to Idaho, like craft beer is fucking huge up there, and like me and my dad are really into craft beer. But I've really burnt myself out on that shit. Like every, I love IPAs. Don't get me wrong, right. I love a good IPA. But every time I've drinking them recently in the past like six months, I just get a gnarly fucking headache. Like oh, interesting. either okay, either like right after I drink them or the next morning after, I just feel fucking terrible. So. I got I got this one and I got two as a backup. <laughs> I don't got give a two fart. beers
1: as a backup <laughs> for this one that I'm drinking. Uh yeah. no, it's funny because I, I was looking at your Instagram story before we get going. I'm like, Oh, he's drinking a Budweiser now. I'm curious if that's gonna be his uh his uh his one for the episode. But yeah, you I've been you have I've it coming down the pipe.
2: <laughs>
0: Yeah, I've been planning my Bev check for months and I knew it was going to be the king of beers. (laughs) No,
1: that's very cool. No, it's funny that you say that on the craft beer because that was, um, you know, by the time this up, you know, it's already out in the open as far as even recording this. But one of our first Bev sponsors was actually a craft uh, brewery here in Calgary called New Level. Um, I'm not checking them because I want to showcase some other I guess not even just sponsored bevs, but you know, as a bev connoisseur, I'm a firm believer, as always, like trying and putting yourself out there and in and kind of testing the waters on things. So, uh, absolutely,
3: yeah.
2: So
1: mine is this. This one is for my friend Bethany because she works at a organic uh, grocery store, and she's like, I don't, I don't know about this. Like, maybe you can try it on the podcast. So it's a pure maple <laughs> water uh, by, <laughs> All by right. a company called Maple three. It's a very Canadian thing for sure. But, uh, I was looking at it. It's been in my fridge for a long time. So I was like, I got to do a, a proper podcast for this one. So I was like, no, I want to
0: watch you drink it. I want to watch you drink it right now. Review okay. right now.
1: Well, okay. we're,
0: we're, we're doing re- it live.
1: We're, we're doing it live. So <laughs> just, so just off the smell, it's like a light it's strange because it says the ingredient is just pure organic maple water. So I'm gonna give it a sip. If there's some dead air, just bear with me as I let this let this hit the back of my throat. All right. Okay. That's it's like very watered down, like maple syrup.
0: Okay, so, that's kind of that's kind of how I'd expect it to taste. You yeah. know, maple water.
1: Yeah, but you know, uh, it, it says natural hydration, so I'm always constantly feeling like I'm not drinking enough water in my day. So maybe this is the move. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, I'm not. It even... sounds good. I, I mean, I love maple syrup, and uh, <laughs> my favorite whiskey actually is Pendleton. I'm sure you've heard of it. It's a Canadian whiskey. Oh,
1: okay. I'm not. I'm not a big whiskey drinker, so I don't think I've yeah. actually heard of that.
0: It's uh, it's really smooth. It's really big in Idaho. Okay. I'm sure, it's I'm sure it's big a lot in like the Midwest and shit, but uh it's a Canadian whiskey and it's got it's got like this fucking maple aftertaste. Oh it's really okay. good, bro. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, it's not um... it's
0: not it's not really a whiskey to do like shots off of. Like I would consider more to drink it like just dry or on the rocks, but sure. it's really good shit. Yeah. yeah.
1: No, I'll have to I'll have to yeah. check that out. Um I think you know the I think the the quality level for maple syrup for a lot of Canadians really really is as a high bar to hit because it's not just going <laughs> out and buying like Aunt Jemima or like things like that like you need to buy like I think the best maple syrup <laughs> is when you can buy it in a tin can and it's like oh, 10 dollars like that straight that stuff from, <laughs> is yeah straight from the source
0: Yeah, straight from the fucking tree, you know.
1: Yeah. It's like they hit the, um, I, I don't know if you've seen those videos, but they have like those corks and they just stick them right into the yeah. tree and it yeah, just yeah. pours out.
0: It's some C- fucking craft maple syrup. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, that's, that's sick. It you exists. know, off off of the next couple sips of this, I am, I am into this. Uh, I think it was a bit of an acquired taste, but yeah, I'm a, you know, maple three. If you want to, if those, you want to send zoom. some my way. <laughs>
0: Does Zoom have an option where I can reach through the phone and try it. Oh man, I wish. <laughs>
1: you know, I I, wish I too. feel like it'll, it'll be dangerous if I don't think there's any way that technology will have like even a like a scent thing that you can share cuz that's just dangerous business. Someone's on a Zoom call I, for I work in <laughs> 2030 and you know someone's farting and then it's just polluting everyone's (laughs) little home office
0: i mean like they had scratch and sniff when we were kids like you remember that shit yeah of course of course i think i went i think i went and saw one of like the rugrats movies and they had like the fucking scratch and sniff you know (laughs) i don't know if it was rugrats that that was probably too early but i went and saw some movie when i was a kid Mm -hmm. and they had like these fucking scratch and sniff packets you know for when certain shit in the movie happens and you like scratch and sniff it you know
1: Oh, I've, I've never heard like the time, like it's a timed scratch and sniff. That just sounds wild. Yeah.
0: I don't know. Yeah. That was when I was like a little ass kid. So I might be, I might be, uh,
1: talking out of turn a little bit.
0: Yeah. A little off mark. Yeah. I don't no, that's know. good.
1: No. Um, no, I think all of that is really sick. Um, Ryan, I'm really excited to be chatting with you. Like I said before, um, the intro question that I asked every guest who's new to the podcast is just getting a little idea of how they got into, like, call it guitar music or heavy music or DIY <laughs> music. Um, so take me back in time to, to when you were a little kid and doing the scratch and sniff and uh, tell me some of the moments where you first heard, you know, uh, a riff or a breakdown or something like that.
0: So when I was, a, when I was like five or six, like, like some of the first shit that I can remember from when I was a kid, my dad's super into cars and okay. I am too, cause of him. So he had, he had a 94 Fox body Mustang with a three Oh two in it. Anyone that's into cars on this channel knows what I'm talking about. Sure, so
4: sure,
0: he had, he had racing seats in it with like the five point, the five point harness and shit. So even though I probably shouldn't have been sitting in the front, you know, as like a little kid, as a toddler, he would like, he would strap me in the front. And, uh, I grew up in Oregon out in the country out in the States. Yeah. So, uh, he would, he would drive me around like on these country roads and shit. And like, we would always just be listening to like Metallica and Pearl jam and days of the new and like Dave Matthews band and shit and like all these other bands. And I'd always be like, Singing along to the music, like one memory that is always fresh in my mind from those years is he would drive me around and play, like, For Whom the Bell Tolls by Metallica. And, like, when the chorus kicks in, it's like, For Whom the Bell Tolls, and then I'd be like, Tie my shoes on instead of Time Marches on, (laughs) yeah. And he'd be be like, No, it's Time Marches on, but I'd always be like, Tie my shoes on, you know.
1: was that just because you so, you misheard the lyrics or you're like this is my version because i need to tie my shoes or something like that
0: both, both. cuz <laughs> i was probably like 5 or 6 years old you know right. so hmm. yeah that was like that was like my first taste of i guess rock and roll or like metal or just heavier music in general and even at even at such a young age i knew that's like that's what i wanted to do you know sure. like i was like i want to be the person that makes that kind of music like i want to be the person that's like making the shit that's coming out of those speakers, you know? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's very. And important. and my mom, my mom grew up in LA during like the whole sunset strip era shit. So she was always going to like Azari's and like the cat house and the whiskey and the rainbow. And hmm. so she's into all that, like eighties rock and like metal shit. Uh, she actually told me a story one time. She was at a house party in LA somewhere. And, there was like some guy passed out on the stairs, and the the bathroom was at the top of the stairs. So she had she had to walk up the stairs to go to the bathroom or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she stepped over the guy that was passed out on the stairs, and it was fucking slash. Yeah.
1: Wow.
0: Yeah. So she was. It was like in my mind. Ring. I was
1: like, this is gonna be some famous rock star like slash, yeah. but probably not slash. But <laughs> but it was. Yeah, slash. but no, it's it <laughs> yeah, insane. literally was slash.
0: Yeah. Wow. Okay. So so she she was like heavily into that shit and like integrated in that stuff so sure. i didn't really how, like sorry, it that sorry much how was, did
1: she know it was like was he wearing the big hat and the hair or like like how did she know that
0: i don't i never really asked her in detail because when she told me that i wasn't really into guns and roses like i am now because sure. like they're one of my favorite bands but She just knew it was him, you know, and even without the top hat, like he's a very distinctive person with the hair in the face and shit, you know, so especially in the 80s, you know, he probably had the whole get up, you know, leather jacket, right, leather pants, leather gloves, leather shoes. Yeah, it probably oh, took a whole. It probably took a whole dead cow to like make up what he was wearing, you know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the vegans just cringed at that at that yeah. visual. But yeah, no, that that, yep. that is crazy, and 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 maybe that is something that is so, I guess, um, far more common in those kind of uh, larger hubs. Like I'm sure that there's a number of those kind of stories that have been told or haven't been told, uh, not even on this podcast, but just in general of like uh like places like nashville even where like they'll walk into uh like a bar and then it's like that famous country artist or 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 this that or the other
3: so
0: yeah and that's really common in nashville because like even 20 30 years ago all the big names like alan jackson and travis like they all got their start in nashville Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. so it's like i feel like that's that's super common to do that yeah and especially in la in the 80s like i feel like it you could have ran into fucking any guy from any band at (laughs) the rainbow or the Roxy or the fucking whiskey or whatever. So
3: no,
1: that's, that's just super cool. Yeah. That's very interesting. So yeah, it sounds like, you know, through your dad and your mom, there was, you know, different music influences just naturally as you were growing up. So that's very interesting. Um, Yeah. Like
0: my, my dad was more into like Metallica and like, kind of like the grunt, like grunge, like post-grunge shit. Because he wasn't really into, like, Alice in Chains or uh, Soundgarden, but he was super into Pearl Jam Okay. and, like, Hootie and the Blowfish and uh, Days of the New, which kind of was, like, mid-'90s, you know, other than Pearl Jam's earlier stuff. So, he, like, he was into a lot of that shit. And then my mom being into, like, the 80s stuff, I guess that's where a lot of my music taste is rooted from and, like, influence and stuff. So yeah. that was cool. And then around... Around middle school, I have an older brother. He's two years older than me. And we started getting into metal around the same time. And this was around the time when MTV and VH1 and, like, international music feed were still popping off. And I was sitting in my dad's living room while he was at work because he doesn't really like the whole, like, heavy metal shit. Sure. You know? So I I was watching IMF and, like... In Secession, it was the All These Things I Hate music video by Bolt for my Valentine. Oh, okay. And then it was, <laughs> that was the first one I saw. And I was like, oh, my fucking God. And that was like my favorite band through middle school. And then right. I, saw the, I saw the Before I Forget music video by Slipknot. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yo, this is fucking crazy. Like they're tearing apart a whole house and everyone's getting fucking trashed and shit. Yeah, that like, was that's awesome. That was
1: the same for me as far as uh, the very first time I, I heard and and saw Slipknot. Just, uh, oh, not, not not before I forget. Are you talking about Duality? That song?
0: Yeah, where yeah. they're tearing apart the house.
1: Yeah, because Before I Forget okay. is one of those, uh, I think that music video shot where like everyone's performing and their masks are like placed elsewhere but duality is the one where people are just okay, like yeah just going manic and, and ripping things apart um
0: yeah i fu- i fucked that one up but yeah no. duality.
1: yeah <laughs> you're all good um it, it's funny that you also bring up both for my valentine because that was a huge band for me also going through like middle yep. school high school um just because it was that like kind of balance of like this is metal but like there's also i guess ties to like maybe more Not like they, I would never call that band like a screamo band, but they had definitely fans who, you know, listened to like Chiodos and some of those bands, but they also listened to Bullet. Um, And now like being a lot older, like I'll listen back. and I was like, man, there's like riffs on, on these records that are like harder than a lot of other stuff uh, that's coming out nowadays. And I feel like that band just gets like written off because uh, I guess of the era of that kind of stuff.
0: Um, yeah, yeah, like if you listen to the poison, like they definitely have that that like emo tie to them because sure. they were in the same they were in the same era as like Silverstein and Hawthorne Heights and yes, uh, from First Last and shit. Yeah, and like him and I know that their singers like super into him. Like he he was always wearing like the heartagram shit. So right. there's definitely a lot of like the emo element in their shit. But songs like. Uh, like the poison like the title track and uh room 409 like the riff in room 409 is insanely fucking hard bro right like a straight up breakdown and even <laughs> even the record they put out after that scream aim fire is fucking awesome like right i was a i was straight up obsessed with that band in middle school like right. i had a myspace page and i had like the bulletin board where you could put like band logos <laughs> and shit and like pictures and stuff and it was all just it was all Bolt from my valentine Avenged sevenfold and children of Bodom, I and like those are my favorite bands in middle school i
1: love it i love to hear that yeah uh, i think my favorite track off of uh the poison is four words to choke upon just like yeah that one like yeah, breakdown bro. where it's like, <laughs> like i'm like yeah fucking hard um no i love that 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 came up so Um, You started to listen to some of that with your brother. When did kind of like playing shows and like writing your own music come into play?
0: So when I was like 12 or 13, I had a stepbrother from my dad's second marriage because my parents divorced when I was really young. So my dad's first wife, after him and my mom split up, uh, she had two kids from a different marriage and uh, the son from that marriage and I, my stepbrother, we... We started playing Rock Band when it first came out. Okay. And yeah. we were, we just we hit the ground running with that shit and uh when they came out with like the bass guitar adaptation of it. Yeah. Like the fucking bass guitar model. My dad was like, "Oh yeah, he he likes the bass. Like he's going to be a bass player." So, he bought me a bass and he bought him a guitar for Christmas and set us up with some lessons from like this fucking nerd-looking ass motherfucker and <laughs> He was trying to, te- he was trying to teach us uh Say It Ain't So by Weezer. Yeah. And we were like, we were playing and shit. And he was like trying to teach us this fucking song. And I was like, this shit's hard. I was like, this is nothing like rock band. Like this shit's crazy hard. So right. I gave up on it for a couple years. And then my mom married my stepdad in like 2001 and they were married up until like the last year or so, like they just divorced, but He's like a crazy, insane blues guitar player, piano guy. So, oh, okay. He he bought me a Les Paul Junior for Christmas. I think a year or two later, and my birthday is on Christmas. So, oh, it's really? Kinda, You're yeah, a Christmas yeah. Baby. yeah, Huh. yeah. Christmas Day. So, <laughs> I tend I tend to get badass gifts on, for like Christmas, birthday shit. Right. At, least ki- at least when I was a kid, at least when I was a kid, because they could like tie it in together. So, right?
1: Yeah, the go- budgets got- were just doubled for you.
0: Yeah. yeah it's like you get this one cool thing like don't ask for anything else and i'd be like hey <laughs> you know yep, that's hands cool up
1: dude. yeah that's fine
0: yeah <laughs> so he he got me a west paul jr and then i was like well maybe i should start getting serious with it and my friend group in middle school were all like thrash metal kids so mm-hmm. they were all getting into like playing guitar and all these other instruments and stuff and he was trying to teach me theory because he comes from like a blues background and he plays piano and shit and theory is like theory like another language to me it's like it's like trying to read out fucking uh like french or something like some right. language and, i don't yeah, fucking another speak another language ultimately yeah mm-hmm. yeah so uh my friends in middle school introduced tabs yep and i was like okay and they explained the concept of tabs and they're like okay well depending on the instrument you play like for example guitar you got you got six lines like one two three four five six and each of the lines has numbers on the line that correspond with where you're supposed to fret on the guitar, or the bass. And I was like, okay, well this is a little bit easier, you know? And once I learned tabs, I just fucking hit the ground running yeah. and started teaching myself a bunch of shit. And I've, that was probably when I was like 12 or 13. So I've kept up with it since then. And I started my first band when I was 13 with the same friends that I uh, hung out with in middle school and I th- I think the first song that we were ever trying to like learn or cover was Down with the Sickness. <laughs> yeah. And it just sounded fucking Sick. terrible, but we we were just 13 year old kids like trying yeah. to get after it. Everyone you know? was so... just
1: wanting to do
2: that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow.
0: Get, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That riff's hard though, I'm not gonna lie. Like no, it is, is really hard. Yeah. But uh
1: to go back quickly, start, uh to to where yeah. you're saying just about like uh, as soon as tabs you discovered that then it was like yeah this is for me and that's a that's a huge yeah. thing that i've seen is like some people are like they can be self-taught and that works for them but like some people do need mm-hmm. something else it, like it was kind of the same thing for me like i had a guitar teacher that was trying to teach me stuff i was like like showing them like the disturbs and from my valentine's like i want to look like how do how do i make <laughs> i remember specifically i didn't know like i would like Bring my iPod and I would go to like certain parts in the songs, like how does he make the like squealy like sound? The pinch harmonic, yeah, the pinch harmonic, or like how is he getting like the feedback? Like, like I didn't know any of those things growing up, and then like (laughs) I think I went through like five or six guitar teachers because they were like, you know, here's the book, and then eventually I found someone who was like, okay, like this kid wants to learn these specific things and you know, he, he definitely did teach me a couple things, but it, like, it just goes to show that you really need to just like be self-aware on like what works for you, whether that is doing theory or just doing things on your own. Cause you know, ultimately everyone just learns in different ways on that, on that, on that. Yeah,
0: I agree. I agree for sure. Like if you, if you can learn in a way that it's good, just doing it on your own, then I would suggest doing that. But I think having a guitar teacher is good if they work for you. Sure. You know cuz I've I've watched interviews with other like big guitarists where they went through several teachers like you did until they found someone that worked for them. Yeah. And like even though I've been playing guitar for over a decade, like I've considered taking lessons because the only the only things that I've known is the shit that I've learned just teaching myself and then shit I've learned off YouTube. Yeah. And like you, sure. YouTube is a really good teacher. Cause you can go to YouTube and just learn whatever scale like pentatonic or fucking uh, like arpeggios, like all the, like legatos, like all that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. Like you can learn any kind of scale or any kind of pattern you want. But if you have the right teacher that meshes with you and that can show you what to do, you know, I think that I think that that's good cuz I never had any formal teaching or any like professional teaching and even though I know my way around a guitar and I don't consider myself like a professional but I don't consider myself like shitty right. like it would still be it would still be good to go to someone that knows what they're talking about to learn shit like theory and mm-hmm. like learn the ways that they teach you know Yeah. Yeah, I think cuz
1: uh I was just going to say like like, I'm kind of the same, like, I don't, I don't think I'm a bad guitar player, but I don't think I'm, like, any of, like, the greats that, like, I look up to, and, like, man, how, like, how do you riff like that, like, even, like, I think for a long time, I was always, like, oh, I'm not a lead guitar player, I'm a rhythm guitar player, because I could never do crazy riffing or solos, and now that I'm, like, the only guitar player in my band, I'm, like, I need to, I need to get my chops up, and, like, learn some solos and stuff, but, um, it's crazy too, just like how, um, like that wasn't even too long ago for both of us, but now like you can hit up any of your favorite drummers or like, there's so many services now where people can like take lessons through people with people through zoom or things like that. But at the time yeah. for you or I, it's like, who's the person at our local music store that has lessons or, or whatever. And what are they into? What are their influences?
0: yeah exactly because you could have a you could have a guitar teacher that's like super square like white picket fence guy that's just into (laughs) blues and like other shit but you want to play like rock and roll and metal right and he's like well i can teach you the fundamentals of shit. other than that you're on your own you know yeah Yeah. but what what's what i've found about being self taught and like learning shit off youtube and stuff is like i'm stuck in my ways because like I know I can play guitar, but my technique's kind of off, hmm. especially with my left hand and the way that I fret. Like I can, I can play decent, but I know that if I had been taught professionally, or at least by someone that has a background in like teaching people how to play guitar, like I, I would be a, li- a little bit more like formal. Sure. But I'm, I'm like content with where I'm at because I'm a firm believer in like shit's supposed to happen the way that it's supposed to happen. For you know. Sure yeah like so,
1: you know I, i'm sure in an alternate timeline if you maybe went more of the traditional path maybe absence of mine or any of the bands that you've been a part of wouldn't even exist because maybe you go off and do something else but i do i do think that you know things work out for a reason on that regard and yeah. i think it's the same for me it's like you know maybe it, like maybe i didn't have that formal training to push myself at a later age to like you know actually want to learn how to do crazier guitar stuff. Um, but you know, I would also argue that like a lot of the people that maybe had that traditional guitar, you know, teaching, like they're probably not playing in bands and like loving just like, just, you know, guitar music in general. So it's funny how the, how those things play out for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And like, there's nothing wrong with playing normal shit and just riffing and having a good time. Like that, that's the tip I was on. Cause I used to only play bass in bands, and the only reason I did that is because it was easier for me, sure. and because I could like I could like go crazier and like go harder on stage and stuff. Mm. But I would play guitar in my free time, and there was a like the band before Absence of Mind, like we were called Frustrated, and uh, when I had first when I had first joined the band on our second tour. I started, I started like belting out fucking riffs in a hotel that we were staying at in San Francisco. And I looked at, I looked at Rudy, our singer, and I was like, why don't I just move to guitar and then we'll be a five piece band and like totally change our sound. Hmm. And they were all on board with it and shit. And I was comfortable with just playing like the shit that we were playing, like hardcore, you know, like riffing and doing normal stuff. But I wanted to challenge myself because I look up to people like, Jerry Cantrell and Eddie Van Halen and Zach Wilde and shit, you know, slash Nuno Betancourt, Dimebag. And I was like, I want to, I want to play shit like that. Like, I, I know that I can play guitar, but I know that I can push myself like a step above and try to learn the shit that they do. And like anybody can do that. Yeah. And a lot of people, a lot of people get scared or they have the fear that they'll never be that good. But the key is to practice and you have to break out of, That comfort zone of just only being able to riff or like play simple stuff like if you want to learn how to do those kind of things you got to practice and put the time in and like learn to do what they did yeah and that that doesn't only apply to guitar but drums bass you know yeah you want to be a fucking things in
1: life even outside of music yeah you have to put in the work and uh you know it's it's not a it's not a a like like a romanticized like way of like oh i'm gonna put my head like it literally is putting your head down like not like talking with anyone and honing your craft whether that craft is a day old or 10 years old um yeah and i'm
0: i'm always inspired by fucking benny oh yeah you know you know from tsunami and hands of god and shit because because like he's about his craft and like i really respect other musicians that are about their craft like he is yeah and like i think that shit's super dope and i think I think more people need to be on that not not so much like the inspirational tip because I think it's really cool that he does that but I think it's really good for people just to sit in a place by themselves and be like, imagine themselves being able to shred like Zach Wild or Eddie Van Halen or whoever they look up to or they want to play drums like uh Carter Beaufort or fucking Vinnie Paul you know right or they want to play they want to play bass like Victor Wooten you know or fucking Michael Anthony you know and it's I feel like you got to have the inspiration to not only want to be better in practice but just imagine yourself being able to play like that and using that as like motivation to get better you know yeah
1: and even on the Benny example like he is someone who's constantly like practicing and honing his craft but also putting himself out there and i think that's a big disconnect for people where they might be like working on it but not maybe like putting it out to show the small steps and to ultimately like also get feedback like outside of music if someone is trying to become like not like the next great artist uh the only like digital artist that I'm thinking of is Beeple because he's all over the news because he sold that, uh, painting for like $7 million. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and, you know, if someone's trying to be of that level, um, you know, it's, it's constantly about putting yourself out there and not getting too caught up on the people who are like, this shit sucks. Your technique sucks. But like, if you're constantly showcase, like, I love seeing the growth. I love being a part of the, the origin and seeing okay, like there's some like talent at birth, and then over time then you see just everything like just build on itself. Someone grab your phone. Hold on.
0: Hold on. <laughs> no, you're fine. Yo, that's yo, that's full. Can I get it back? No, I'm saving it for a backup. Yeah. It's my <laughs> uncle.
1: No, that's fine. It's a backup dev.
0: <laughs> yeah he's trying to take away my backup. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, but well, yeah but yeah, like I, I love seeing the growth too, because especially with the Benny example, uh, I've known him since like 2016, 2017. I used to be in a band called seance and frustrated, even played in Santa Cruz back in the day and that was like our introduction to that scene. Mm-hmm. And I remember I remember meeting him back then when he was much younger. And just seeing him, cause like he could still play back then, and he still had chops. But he was playing with like broken cymbals and on like a, a like a less expensive kit, you know, or, or like a less quality kit. Mm-hmm. Not talking shit on him. He was just younger, you know. And yeah, you 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 make use with what you have. And like seeing him come from that point to where he's at now is fucking awesome. I, and like other other people can like draw inspiration from like where he came, you know, for Sure, I,
1: I feel yeah. like, yeah, like the growth is there. And like because he's putting himself out so much like I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if like in a couple of years it's like, you know, hey, I got sponsored by Tama or Pearl or any of those places. Like, yeah, that makes sense because A, you're a sick ass drummer and B, you've been <laughs> yeah. like, you know, showing up every day. As far as like, uh, just putting yourself out as a drummer. Same thing, you know, with me doing this podcast. It's like, like people are like, "Whoa, it's so crazy how you're like getting all these bev sponsorships." I'm like, I put out like a hundred episodes where I'm like just showing up and just you know the growth yeah. is there. And I'm sure in five years, the how things look with Benny or with me with this podcast or like anyone who does anything is just you know you you reap what you sow ultimately if you're just sitting by like nothing is gonna fall on your lap uh just just because like you have to work for shit
0: yeah and like i've i've listened to a lot of your previous episodes with like other people you've done and like you're constantly writing for and supporting these beverage companies and shit like you're putting you're putting <laughs> right. in that work and like like you're putting them on game like they've been sleeping on you right you know and it's like a, it's about it's about fucking time that like people are noticing that shit Dude, you know i have
1: I, <laughs> I have four boxes worth of a bev company that i i can't even say that they've officially sponsored but they sent me four boxes so it's like i just need to sell them on like hey like let's just make it an ongoing thing but you're like i don't i'm not trying to like build myself up or anything but like there were no nah, build a number, yourself
0: up bro own that shit
1: <laughs> like there were a number of companies that either said no didn't respond to my email which is totally fine because yeah i i like that constant thing i'm like okay who's gonna who's gonna be early who's gonna give a shot to young old spencer and uh and his small <laughs> little music podcast and uh and then over time like you know like i was talking with a friend about this too like um, it's these smaller companies that are great, but they just don't have like the, the worldwide worldwide branding yet. But over time, then it's like, you know, Budweiser, you know, it, it doesn't seem too out of reach to hit them up and be like, yo, so like, where's the Budweiser fridge that's going to be here? Where's the Red Bull fridge that's going to be on the other side of it?
0: So, I fucking wish, bro. <laughs> <laughs> <No. laughs> they're such a, they're such a big not only beer company but like corporate conglomerate because anheuser Busch owns not only like budweiser and bud light but they bought out fucking elysian
2: oh okay
0: yeah so they bought out like a bunch of other beer companies so unless unless we were like fucking huge you know then then i could consider a budweiser sponsorship but one can dream yep, you know one
1: can dream the,
2: the,
0: yeah, the hope gotta... is
1: to have it where we can have like a Pop, proper podcast space. We have different fridges for different types of bevs. Um, honestly, I I have all these new bev ideas that I want to try in the next like two to three years. So we'll we'll just see how it goes. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Ryan, it, it, I would be uh, dumbfounded if we didn't actually hit on the band that you're a part of, Absence of Mind. All right, man. Um, so tell Stay me on how it. that how that band got started. Um, like you were saying, it started as frustration and then you guys, I guess, did a name change. Uh, you were playing bass and then switched to guitar. So tell me about like I guess when when things started as AOM um and how that started to get going.
0: This shit's so funny because so when I was nineteen, I had got I had gotten an offer to fill in for this band. You know capsize. Yep. I know the band. So I I had I went to a bunch of their shows in San Diego where I used to live and I knew, I knew like a couple of them, but I wasn't super close with them. And I played in like a local, like melodic hardcore band called echoes at the time. Okay. That was kind of like hundredth, like counterparts worship. Sure. And so we, we had played a, like a handful of shows with them and uh, they had gotten this tour offer that was, it was Silverstein and Census Fail oh, with Hundredth okay. as direct support. So they had asked me to come on that tour, and I was like, "Fuck yeah!" Like that's like I was nineteen, like living on my friend's fucking couch, like one foot out the door from being homeless. You know, flipping, Fair. flipping fucking couch cushions to get to get fucking quarters to buy Jack in the Box tacos. So <laughs> I was I was I was in I was deep in the shit, you know, and right. I had went on that tour for like a month and a half, and it was a fucking blast. Like getting exposed to like the the higher levels of touring and all that shit. So sure, I sure. did that tour, and then I went home. And I don't know if you've ever toured before. Not not trying to. I'm not trying to like talk shit or whatever. No, no, you're I don't, good. I don't, I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I don't know your. I don't know your background because I know you play in a band. Right, but. When you tour and then you're back home, you're like, okay, well now what? Right. You know,
1: yeah. it's the constant, so, like just the itch to get back out there. Like you
0: almost yeah. feel
1: weird being at home. Like it's supposed to be this relaxing time, but you're like, uh, just like, wh- when's the next thing coming down the pipe?
0: Well, I, well, I mean, well, like when you're meant to do something and you're taken out of that element, you feel like naked, you know? So sure. I got back home sure. and I was like, what the fuck am I going to do? You know? And I was like still hungry you know, and uh, frustrated, the band that came before AOM. Uh, they were going to do a tour, but they had just kicked out their bass player. So I hit up uh, a former friend of ours that played drums in the band, and I was like, hey, I'll do it, you know, like I'll do the tour. And it was like a week long. So I did that tour and then went off the tour, and they were a straight-edge band at the time, and Rudy was straight-edge. Oh, okay. And he's not, and he's not anymore, so um were you straight edge me- at
1: the time and then
0: no oh okay. no you're like definitely just not. don't
1: tell anybody
0: <laughs> well i mean i was i like all the shit had been laid out on the table like i was like look i get you guys are a straight edge band and i'm down to fill in but i'm not gonna stop i'm not gonna stop guzzling beers and smoking because i smoked <laughs> weed at the time i was sure. like, yeah, yeah, like yeah i'm not i'm not gonna stop funneling beers and smoking dope at the time you know to <laughs> fit into your thing but i i like the music you guys make and i want to be a part of it and i want to help you guys out because you're my friends yeah so they asked me to come back on a second tour and when we were on the tour rudy asked me to be a part of the band full time and i was like so yeah, he asked me to be a part of the band full time. And I was like, well, you, you guys have the whole straight edge thing going on. Right. And he was like, well, I mean, we're we're kind of trying to stray away from that. So, um, or not really stray away from it, but they were saying that he was like saying that he doesn't really care, you mm-hmm. know, because I mesh so well with the band. So.
1: Yeah, he didn't want to have that he, as, a, as a barrier to not have you in the band.
0: Or yeah. In so a band." I, yeah so i was like yeah i'll do it and so we did that we did the band for like two more years and then we released the lost myself ep where we started to kind of hint at the change like in the change of music where it was starting to go the more like 90s rock aspect Mm -hmm. and then uh our drummer did some fucking stupid shit and he ended up getting like kicked out of the band and he got canceled. You know how that th- that whole thing goes. <laughs> sure, and we sure. We were like, we were still trying to play shows and the stigma was just hanging over the band like a dark cloud. Mm, and okay. I was in, I was doing like other bands at the time and we played one last show where we were supposed to break up and like go our separate ways and stuff. And after the show, Rudy, our singer, was like, "I don't think we should break up because like we got this good EP going. Like we gotta, we have a good plan, you know, with like the direction that the music's going and like the change in sound and shit. Like why don't we just change the name?" Mm. And I was like, "Yeah, I feel that. You know, we have a good thing going. Like I really like that I'm in my element. You know, playing guitar in a band, like doing what I'm supposed to do." And we were all like, "Well, so what's the band's what's a, what's the a band going to be called?" And he was like, "Absence of mind."
2: Oh, and we didn't
0: even ar- we didn't even argue about it. I was like, "Yo, that's fucking dope." Yeah. And uh, Gino, who plays drums in the band now, he was our former drummer's replacement. Okay. And I had I had met him through our scene down in SoCal because we used to play house shows at uh, the former drummer's house, and it was called Dad's Den okay so we all we we kind of all met through that scene and when Gino and I met like we immediately clicked because we're just on the same like goofy shit sure. hip, like doing funny stuff and him and I were always like yo we're gonna be in a band together and I was like say when bro yeah like say when and he he stepped up to the plate right away and he was just I've always loved his drumming and admired his drumming and like he's so fucking good at his craft and I'm Forever thankful that he stepped up to the plate and like decided to be a part of it because it's like grown into something bigger. Yeah. So
2: definitely,
0: when the whole name change happened, we re- we re-released the EP, the Lost Myself EP that was originally under the Frustrated name.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So swap if, the logo. You, yeah, yeah. I got you. Yeah,
0: if you go if you go back into the depths of our Spotify catalog, it's like the first thing that came out, but um. David Clark, he was, like, the original guitar player of the band because they used to be a four-piece. And when I joined the band as a bass player, we we were both doing guitar. And then we just had fill-in basses and shit, so...
2: Got you. Okay.
0: Um, we couldn't solidify, like, a full-time bass player. And we used to be in this group chat that was, like, 25 people deep with, like, people from Drain and all these other bands and shit. So our friend Brandon... Um, we hit up the group chat one day and I think it was Rudy who was like, anyone want to play bass for us? LO and Brandon was like, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, Brandon, like, I don't think you understand. Like we're trying to find a full-time bass player. Right. You know? And like, we we're all in San Diego and like the Inland Empire and shit. And he was like, no, I'm actually down. Yeah, okay. So that's when, that's when Brandon joined the band. And then we did, we did like the demo we did the demo and then like the the promo tape with like three in isolation on it the yeah. the one with like the the weird like robot guy on it <laughs> and then right before we started recording smile uh our original guitar player david was just on his grown man shit and he was doing all his all his stuff you know he had like a place and a like a good career and like a solid girlfriend you know and mm. like we had wished the best for him, but he was like, yo, like I know you guys are trying to take this thing like seriously. And I just, I can't keep up, you know? Yeah. Not in the bad way. I can't keep up. He's just like, I don't, I don't really have the time for it or the desire for it. And we pretty much wished him the best, you know? And I was living with our guitar player. Now his name's Hunter. I was living with him at the time and him, Rudy and I were all working at whole foods (laughs) So okay. him and Rudy got him and Ru- him and Rudy got super close, and yeah. when David when David left the band, Rudy was like, "Yo, Hunter's joining the band." And we normally run shit as like a democracy, like everyone votes on something, you know? Yeah. And then we all go yeah, or nay. I was just kind of like, yeah. I mean, I live with Hunter, and like he- him and I became really close friends, like that. But. Sure. You're just gonna you're just gonna kind of make the shotgun call like that. He's like, yeah. I was like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> like I back it. You know, it's fucking dope. So yeah. It's,
1: it sounds like Rudy had a couple of those where it's just like, this is what the band's gonna be called. This this person's gonna be in the band. It's like, yep. Yeah, like I have no qualms with any of those those i those ideas. So that's funny.
0: Yeah, and I mean, like looking back on it, he's really the only original person that was like left of the whole shitstorm that got started. Sure. Yeah. Because, like, David's gone. Like, the original bass player's gone. The original drummer's gone. So, like, he initially started this whole fucking
2: thing. Mm, Oh, gotcha. You you
0: know? So we recorded – we went in the studio with Elmo Arteaga, and he's recorded a bunch of, like, local bands in the San Diego area when the whole, like, metalcore shit was popping off. Sure. And he he recorded some hardcore bands that were from there too, but he does – he does like sound sound engineering shit for like Ice Nine Kills and like bands like that. Oh, like motion, okay. like motion, yeah. Motionless and White. So yeah. I've I've known him since like 2012, 2013. And I've always liked his work. So when we went when we went into the studio, we normally recorded with this guy named Rolly Ulug. And like he's fucking awesome. Like I love Rolly. And he actually mastered the record.
2: Oh, okay, got you.
0: Yeah, so we so we went through Elmo and then Rolly mastered it, and it only took like maybe five or six days to record the whole thing.
1: Really? Okay. Interesting.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, and it, it went it went really fucking well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I did want to bring up because you know, I think some, I think it's fair to say uh, like Smile was the record that really kind of took you guys from maybe your like I guess local notoriety and then you know kind of push it out into the ethos (laughs) of just everywhere yeah and uh you know what was interesting i was listening to the the entire discography today and you know there's definitely like a um there's a branch between each release as far as like maybe starting like as like a like a like a regular hardcore band but then also implementing those um i guess more chorus driven or like riffy or groovy, like, song choices that, like, like, you were bringing up as far as, like, influences for you growing up um, to the demo, to the promo, and then ultimately to the, to the LP. But what was also interesting is that, you know, as far as how the, the music was presented with artwork, it seemed like a lot of that was, like, your typical, like, hardcore, like, black and white, here's, like, some kind of stuff. And then Smile is, like, such a, a hard right t- turn into a different direction on that front. So, yeah, for you, like, was that kind of like realizing that maybe the music was like it's already in this realm, we just need to present it in a different way? Or, um, what were the thoughts? Because I, I, I think the matching of those for the latest LP just makes the most sense versus like hearing stuff off the promo, and it's like this sounds like earlier stuff that these guys were working on, but like the way that the artwork to me like there was a little bit of a disconnect so did you guys just want to really just relish in just that like vibiness of uh absence of mind for for the latest release
0: well i mean like a lot of our influence comes from like the 90s rock sound Mm -hmm. so like my favorite band's Alice in chains and a lot of that band has like so much fucking influence on our sound and not not only them but like other bands from that era and like the late '80s shit, okay. you know, like like all the shit I grew up on, kind of like ties into that. And I don't know, like especially with the artwork, I don't really think we meant to match it with the music. It just kind of played out that way because sure. Gino, our drummer, does graphic design as a job. Oh, like that's, okay. like full-time, that's like his full time. That's like his full time career. So I guess in his mind, like he he kind of took a full control of. The album art like the front and the back cover because we did cds for it so he wasn't he was in control of like how the layout worked how the front and the back worked so i think that he kind of hit the ground running with matching the artwork with the music and i think it worked out really well because so it's very vibey he
1: did the latest he did smile he didn't do anything before that is that right
0: no, he did. He did the demo shit. He did the okay. 2018 demo, and he did the the promo tape. Okay. He played drums. He played drums and designed the artwork on both of those too. Okay, but then yeah.
1: But then I guess he also did smile and just took that more in a, in a direction that kind of matched with like sometimes looking at it and like hearing a lot of the guitar effect. It's almost like a lot of the guitar effects on the record. In a visual matter,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. I get. I guess when you look at it from like how the record looks, like the sounds, the guitars, and everything is making, kind of like matches the record. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. There's lots of wavy modulation and just like just stuff that would make you smile. Like, sorry to pun- use that pun there, but you know, it um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, it does. It does match though, for yeah. sure.
1: So you know you guys put that out it definitely is like one of those records that like really like doesn't try to be like here's eight hardcore songs that have like our spin on it like there are a lot of specific songs that are like this is like you know you have songs like funky town which are like it's just a jammy like instrumental track and then you have like cry 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 that is like this is like a really like like quick in and out hardcore song and then you have like Delilah which is very like this is almost like a ballad kind of thing. So like for you guys like writing that was like were you were you thinking like let's just like experiment and write music like did you guys receive any like weird criticism from people in your local area of like why are some of these songs like stuff that I would almost hear on the radio at times like talk talk to me about some Whoa. of those things
0: well, like, I'm not trying to take credit for the whole record, but like, I was, I pretty much wrote the whole thing. Sure. Yeah. So, like, I pretty much wrote like the foundation for almost every single song. Our original guitar player, David, wrote like some of the riffs that were on the record. Mm-hmm. And uh, Gino laid down all, like Hunter, Hunter used to be an audio engineer. And when I lived with him, when the record is being written, like, we could pre-pro a lot of the stuff, you know, just using, like, program program drums and just, like, lay the foundation for shit, but sure. Gino Gino wrote all of his drum parts and, like, kind of took control of that, and one thing that I was super impressed with in the process was that normally with bass players, especially in hardcore bands, like, you you kind of have to sit down with them and, like, teach them the parts, and they just follow the root notes, but Brandon wrote, like, all of his own bass parts.
1: Oh, that's interesting. And like, okay. and like
0: all the bass lines and shit. And I was blown away when I when we went when it was game time when it went to go into recording the record and just hearing all the bass lines and riffs he wrote. I was like, God damn, bro, <laughs> like, that shit's fucking awesome. You know, right? Yeah, but
3: hmm.
0: I don't know. It's like I love hardcore. You know, like I I think it's awesome, but I didn't want to sound like every other hardcore band.
4: For sure. You yeah.
0: know, cause cause like I respect bands doing what they're doing, you know, and like doing the shit they want to do. But I didn't want to be another band that's like mad ball copy number seven, you know, <laughs> or like Crow Mags right. copy number four. Or right. like four and a half. You yeah. know, like you wanted a
1: V nine or whatever.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I wanted I wanted to do shit that we wanted to do and I wanted to do it from the heart. And like I think that's what's so special about the record and it's really weird because living with Hunter at that time, like it was such a special moment in time, you know, cause like him and I were living in the house that we were living in together and just hanging out all the time, you know, smoking weed, like drinking beers and like having a good time. And I feel like I was in such a good creative space at that time that I, I was just belting out these songs left and right, like for the record and shit right. and especially tunes like, him of heartbreak like that was that was a love ballad that i wrote like a hundred percent you know about a relationship that i had went through and i had written the base for like the 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 base form for delilah as far as instruments go but like that's rudy's thing for his girlfriend violet and like she's awesome and like their relationship is awesome so i think it's it's really good that he was able to pay homage to her on that and it was just so crazy. Like it was such a, it was such a weird moment in time that everything came together for that record.
2: Yeah. No, you know,
0: and we, we kind of just like did whatever we wanted to do. Yeah. You know, and I I feel like, like I said, I respect what a lot of hardcore bands are doing and like the shit that they do and the music that they want to make. But I feel like a lot of people are afraid to be different
3: Mm-hmm. And I feel like for a sure. lot
0: I feel like, I feel like a lot of people are afraid to make the music they actually want to make and speak the whole truth not only in their lyrics but in their music. Sure
3: because like because
0: on, on that re- on that record, like, I can speak for Rudy and I, but I'm pretty sure every single person in the band and that that was involved with that record, like we all essentially laid, our souls out on a slab to get sacrificed for that record you know sure like we we all we all laid like our hearts and souls out on that record for like the whole world to see Mm -hmm. and i feel like that's something that's something that's very rare and hardcore and i noticed that you you asked if people had showed a lot of criticism in the local scene and i mean i i guess like somewhat in the local scene but literally like when we put out the record it received, it received a pretty positive reception for the first couple days, and I remember it vividly. Rudy was all like, "I." He tweeted when he was like active on Twitter. He was all like, "I wonder why no one's like hated on the record yet, or like talked shit on the record." Sure. And then it came. Right. <laughs> and then, dude, oh my god, there were so many people talking shit on the record. It was fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. Like so many fucking people. And at first it was a little hard for me to deal with, you know, cause I wrote most of it. And it's kind of like, if you paint, like you're in a town square, you know, and you paint like a beautiful piece of art and you just put it on a stand and leave it there. And like, people are stabbing it with knives and like pissing and shitting on it, you know, and right. saying like, yo, that shit sucks, you know? So, like leaving something out in the open and just people are fucking ripping it to pieces, you know? And a lot of, a lot of the criticism wasn't local, Mm, you know, like a lot of people from our scene weren't talking shit publicly. I knew they were talking shit in private but not publicly, which is fucking stupid. Yeah. And, but cowards, the shit. Yeah, no straight up. (laughs) And like the shit, the shit I saw on the internet, it was like a lot of the people talking shit were people that I looked up to. I'm not going to name names or like bands, but there was like, there was like pretty, I guess, important people, not really important to me, but like a lot of crazy ass people just like talking like just the worst kind of shit, like screenshotting our fucking lyrics and like posting it on social media and just like captioning it, like talking shit. Like, it was wow. nuts. What? And and the thing is, is I had int- I had introduced the idea of like going the way that we were gonna sound to Rudy and like the rest of the band. Then I was like, "Yo, we just like got to do something different." And if I remember correctly, Rudy was like, "Are you sure?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'm sure." You know. Oh, and it was like a okay. that even that that was that was like a pretty heavy emotional moment as far as that goes and we went into the recording process of that record knowing that like people were going to like it or they were going to fucking hate it. Right. So like, I'm yeah. I'm not surprised, I'm not surprised that a certain portion of people didn't receive it well because we expected it from the get go. Sure. You and know,
1: I do think, you know, maybe to, to, to give my thoughts on, you know, as being an outsider, you know, from, from those kind of things, I think, and i've talked about this on the podcast many many times and i think it forever will be a true thing whether it's in 10 years or you know we're not going back in time but um i i i think there are like people that will do bands that like you said is like this is another like this is a version of strife or madball or hatred <laughs> yeah. but there's like a couple things differently and that's cool if you want to do that band do that band if it's a side project thing if it's your main thing do whatever you want but for bands that like take influences from multiple like music areas and put it into something new like that is that's a very flight or flight kind of like situation when when you first hear it because you know like i i remember when i heard that record and i was showing it to people and they're like like they were like almost perplexed at the beginning. Yeah. Like like, what the fuck? Yeah.
0: They're like, this is a hardcore (laughs) band.
1: I'm like, yeah, like, like, like take it home, like let it grow on you for a little bit. But like, it's crazy to see something new. And like, like I said, at the beginning of the episode, innovative. And then, you know, to have all this, not backlash, but like, you know, I, I, I know a hundred percent what that feeling is when you put out music and there's someone that you at least, Maybe not look up to, but like you said, like kind of like respect at least. And they're like, like shitting on it. They're like, well, <laughs> like that, 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 kind of sucks. But you know, fast forward just even a little bit for you guys to play LDB Fest and have one of the earlier sets. And you know, from every, from all my friends that went down there, they're like, absence of mine had the the craziest set of the whole weekend. Like there was no contest. And when I watched it, when it came out on. Uh, 197 it was like just blown away by just like how and and i do think that it was those things of like a supply and demand kind of thing where it's like this is so new and there's no other bands who are doing shit like this um so i'm just like gonna go off and go crazy uh for that
0: that shit was crazy because i mean we're play. we're the second band of saturday and you know how fests go where right the first the first day everyone's stoked to be there you know they're fucking they're just absolutely jazzed to be at the fest and everyone's like partying and shit and having a good time you know mm-hmm. drinking smoking weed and like doing all this shit and like they're going crazy for all these bands and moshing and shit and like that's the first day you know whether it's ldb or like this is hardcore united blood or whatever fest you want to go to wild rose you know right, right. and uh so the second day you know because like we we all party and shit like in the band for the most part and so we we're get like we got crazy on thursday because there was like a there was like a pre-party at like a karaoke bar so we were all oh, there like okay. getting crazy and then friday was nuts and it, there was like a lot of good bands playing a lot of good shit going on and saturday you know like you have everyone's like a little a, sore
1: you, from the day
2: before yeah yeah yeah, yeah like you
0: have the you have the pregame on thursday you have all the bands that played friday you know the whole day and the whole night and then saturday everyone's hung over you know and they <laughs> hungover, had all over sore sleep deprived yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they, they had all partied and like moshed for the bands before so uh i forget what band opened and i'm not i'm not trying to diss the band that opened because i don't really remember but the band, oh, the band that had played before us, opened the show, and that like that was cool. And then we were warming up and stuff. And I remember walking on stage, and I was just like setting up my pedal board and like all that shit. And I look up from like setting up my pedal board, and the, the whole room is packed.
2: Yeah. And I was like, yeah.
0: dude, what the fuck? <laughs> I was like, oh my god! And like, it, no, like I've played in front of hundreds. I've played in front of hundreds of people, thousands of people. I've played to rooms of, like, 15 people.
2: yeah.
0: And, like, no matter what, I always get, like, the jitters, you yeah, know? for sure. Not, like, sta- not like stage fight, but, like, the preset fucking, like, all right, it's go time, like, adrenaline right. shit. Yeah. So we're all setting up. But, like, this time, it's, like, double that. Mm. And I'm, like, bro, like, this shit's fucking crazy. Right. And for some reason, like, we were all ready to go, but Hunter was nowhere to be found. Our other guitar <laughs> player. So I'm literally on the mic, like stage, stage, right. I'm like, Hunter, come to the stage. Like, where the fuck are you? And like, there's all these people. And I was like, dude, this is fucking nuts. Yeah. And it was, that shit was just crazy. Like, cause I know that LDB was like running polls on Twitter. Like, yo, who are you guys excited to see? And and like, there was like a bunch of people saying like absence of mind. And I was like, that's pretty cool, like, that people are, like, soaked to see us and stuff. Right. And, but I didn't expect it to be, like, that big of a turnout and that crazy. Yeah. Like, I thought it, like, I knew, because because when that record came out, I knew that a lot of people from the, sorry, from the, mid. I knew a lot of people from the Midwest liked it. Mm-hmm. You know, not trying to be up our own ass, but, it, the, like, there was a decent amount of response from the Midwest. Yeah. But when they were running polls on Twitter and stuff, there were a lot of people saying that they want they were, like, soaked to see us at LDB and shit. Yeah. So I was like, that's fucking awesome. And just yeah. from, like, like I said, from when we were setting up and stuff and looking up and seeing all those fucking people, I was like, what? <laughs> you know? Right. Like, all fucking shocked and stuff. So I, I, uh, I think it when... must have
1: been just, like, a perfect recipe as far as, like, the Midwest being, like, generally being a scene that, like, it doesn't really matter the subgenre of hardcore or heavy music is like people like like to give things a shot and 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 go off for those bands at the same time versus maybe yeah like a place like um like like i i have so many homies in california but there's definitely like a sound from california that is like definitely more popular than others kind of the same thing and and, and that's not just like in in that cuz that's a huge hub for hardcore but like i've heard that from uh, bands that maybe lean more metalcore but they're in texas and a lot of texas bands are more crossover so there's always like these like m- like kind of genre barriers in a sense but i yeah. think the midwest is really good at just being like anything hardcore related like <laughs> under the sun like i will go crazy for but yeah that's, yeah yeah
0: they're just really they're just really fucking like Welcoming with open arms, type shit to anything, and that's what I like about the Midwest. You know, most definitely, yeah. Whether it's like the Louisville scene or like Oklahoma, like even when we were playing as frustrated, uh, Oklahoma has always been like a second home to us. Hmm. So like, there, I've known that they're always receptive of like most kinds of music. But we were all just straight up like blown away of our reaction at LDB because we were. I like. I can't really speak for the rest of the band, but we weren't we weren't really fucking, I think that all of us can say that we weren't expecting that kind of reaction, especially that early in the day on a fucking Saturday, right. you know? Yeah. Like I was just straight up blown away. Cause even in the video, like you see us like kicking into color of love and we hit the opening note, the whole room fucking explodes. Like imagine what that was like in person. Oh, you 100%. know, 100%. Yeah.
1: Like the video is, like this is the the constant thing I think about when filming live bands is like when there's moments like that where you can like you can see it like it, like it's that times a thousand when you're in the room and you feel that energy where everyone's bouncing or like so many people are like just just going ape shit on one another. So no, it's like the video like showcases it, but like you had to be there to like really feel that. So yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, it was fucking crazy because like we were feeding back and like people are already like diving and shit. I was like, wow, that's fucking nuts. And then we hit the first note and the room just exploded, you know, with fucking Dude, energy. I and, love, like,
1: I lo- you love to see it. That shit is yeah. so cool. Um, yeah, no, I think I think that's really, really awesome. Um. You know, like we've we've been chatting for so long, so I want to make sure that we hit on all the points that I want to. So we're going to change uh lanes here uh very drastically but you know something that got put onto my radar that i was like i definitely want to chat with ryan um is you're now uh driving truck as like your you know nine to five obviously it's not a nine to five but that's your main gig uh right now yeah so like has that like was that kind of something that just kind of fell into your radar as like the world started shifting or like have you been thinking about doing that for a long time um yeah, tell me about, like, kind of how it just got presented to you and, and why you wanted to go down that path.
0: No, like, uh, so my dad's first marriage after him and my mom split up, uh, my stepmom's dad, so, like, my step-grandpa was a trucker, and he had, like, a W900 Kenworth, like, a super trucker yep. truck, you know, flat nose, fucking all chrome and shit. So I had always thought that was super cool, and, like, being a little kid, I would always be, like, tractor trailers and shit that's like the technical term for it so (laughs) i would always i would i would always see like tractor trailers and shit and think it was like the coolest fucking thing ever Mm -hmm. and uh my dad used to teach like as like a side gig he used to be a driving instructor oh okay and he and he would teach like he would teach people how to drift and like drive backwards and like do all this crazy shit so like he taught me how to drive And, like, he always taught me, like, defensive driving techniques and, like, all this shit and, like, taught me a bunch of crazy stuff when I was a kid. So, I've always been a really good driver. And I've never had an at-fault accident since I was 15.
2: Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. And and I'm 25. So, I've always known that that shit was, like, in my blood and that I've been good at it. Like, besides playing guitar, like, driving is kind of my thing, you know? Yeah. And – I've always had people tell me growing up, like, oh, dude, like, you'd be such a sick truck driver, you know, because because like, you like to tour and you like to travel and you're really good at driving. So I've always looked into it, you know, throughout the years. And especially when the AOM was a little more active, I was looking into it. And like, music's always been my number one priority. And it's what I've always wanted to do with my life. But I knew that if I had put both feet in the door, you know, with trucking that I wouldn't have been able to do music. For sure. Yeah. So I kind of put it off. And uh when the whole COVID thing happened, we had a bunch of shit planned for 2020. Like we were actually supposed to come up to Calgary in like the springtime. Yep. Yeah. Our our homegirl Nikki, I'm sure that you know her. Like she Yeah, was,
1: I, w- I wasn't sure if that was gonna come up, but like yeah. cats out of the bag we were going to have absence of mind come and play at the scope three year anniversary. That was, yeah. that was the original plan. And hopefully yeah. we can do something like that when shows come back. But yeah, we, absolutely. W- I remember we were sitting <laughs> at a coffee shop and, and we were just like throwing names back and forth. And I, and I, and I was like, what if we did absence of mind? And Nikki's like, I know all those fools. I'm going to text Rudy right now. And you guys go back to us like immediately, like, yeah, let, let's do it. So yeah I'm, yeah, I'm very crushed that, you know, we couldn't do that. But, you know, anyways, I cut you off.
0: Me too, bro. Yeah, <laughs> I'm bummed that we couldn't come up there. But we were supposed to do that shit. And then we were going to play Sound and Fury. Yes. And then we were going to record. We have, a, we have new shit written. It's not like a whole record or anything. But we have like a handful of songs that we were going to do. We were probably just going to release like a couple singles or an EP. But we were going to do that after Sound and Fury. And then we were supposed to go to Southeast Asia in, like, September.
2: Wow. Okay. And then
0: and then we we were going to do Japan again. And we mm-hmm. had gotten an offer to play in London over the summertime. So we had, like, a bunch of shit going on. And then COVID hit. And it was just like, fuck, man. Like, we just, we just released Smile. And, like, we had all this momentum going, you know, new shit written. Yeah. We were on, like, a schedule, you know. And, like, all that kind of got ripped out from under us. So like trucking's always been in the back of my mind and stuff. So when the whole COVID thing was happening, uh, that was like a big reason of it. And then we had some personal, personal issues go on with the band. Um, I can't really speak on the whole thing, you know, just out of, just out of respect for our brother, you know, but like a lot of people know what's going on, but a lot of shit happened with one of us. And Besides COVID, we might not be a band for a while just to like kind of put that out in the open, you know, since we're already on topic. So with COVID and that going on, I was like, I'm just going to do it, you know? And so I had moved to Idaho in February and I was working these bullshit jobs at one. Like I was working at a restaurant full time in the kitchen, like back of house. And then that whole thing fell through with COVID and my homegirl Kayla that lives out in Idaho um shout out kayla she's awesome sure if yeah. she listens to this uh she hooked me up with a job at alberson's which is a which is like a grocery store chain out in america so i was working there and then the restaurant opened back up because like idaho is pretty lenient with the whole covid thing since it's yeah. a red state <laughs> yeah yeah they're like a, they're like a mad fucking republican state and they're all like they yeah, freedoms you know I was like all this like all the the
1: grievances through dev and and Charlie of rejection pack and Ingram yeah. they're just like, I don't understand like that
0: well, that- I mean it's a super red state, and like the people the people out there think the mask thing and like the social distancing mandates that have been put in place are like a restriction on freedoms, yeah, and like although our although our case rates like somewhat low or our infection rates low, like people still have to be careful, you know, but oh, people out sure. there just don't yeah. care so once because like our shit opened up pretty early before everyone else is in in the state so i went back to the restaurant job and i was working at albertson's and i was just barely cutting it and i got tired of working for like other people and like a corporation i guess so i had talked to one of the drivers that delivers shit for albertson's and he was basically telling me that like you can get a grant if you're low income to go get your CDL that'll like pay for the whole fucking oh, thing.
2: Okay. Yeah.
0: So I, ch- mm-hmm. I checked into that and I qualified for it. So I just, I fucking just dove straight in and I did the whole school in like five weeks and passed with like a 90%, <laughs> nice.
2: which is crazy.
0: Cause like, I've never been like, like, I like, like, like very been acad- Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm trying to say? So I went and did that and, uh, I got hired on with my company in August Then I've been with them ever since then I'm going on my seventh month over the road and it's just, it's been crazy, you know, cause it's pretty much like touring, but like your homies aren't with you and you aren't playing music, you know, sure. or at least you're not playing music in front of people. Right. So the whole thing's just been like super fucking badass and it's been like a really good experience and a lot of us in the industry are like we have the best corner office job in the world you know but it's always changing every day for sure you know like you're not you're not always seeing the same shit and it's just cool cuz like i get to see the country and be by myself and like jam music and like talk to my family and stuff and like i'm fucking killing it at life now like i used to struggle a lot sure yeah like i'm not i'm not trying to brag or anything or say that i'm like fucking balling but i used to struggle a lot and like there's a lot of people that are going to listen to this podcast that are going to know that and like i'm doing a lot better now and like having a lot fun while i'm having a lot of fun while i'm doing it so yeah i think i think it's fucking awesome you know
1: yeah it's really it's really interesting to hear on how how early some of the influences around just uh the trucking industry was in your life and it was like almost in your back pocket the entire time and
0: it it has been in my back pocket the entire time you know yeah and just the
1: timing of how there was a pandemic and just like things with the band like it was just like the timing was perfect and um And yeah, like the main reason why I was like, yeah, like I want Ryan to come on the podcast is that a lot of my, um, career as far as like video and marketing started within the trucking industry. Um, I worked for a company on their marketing team, uh, marketing team doing like videos for the safety department and driver recruitment and all this. And then, and then when, (laughs) yeah, so we, we started to bond over that. So yeah, it, it is, you know like I have this big understanding of like a lot of those things. And I, I remember it was like specifically, I, I won't name them, but like we were driving to a show. Uh, we were like road tripping from, I think like Calgary to Vancouver or somewhere. And, uh, a semi truck was like, uh, like kind of just like w- the, I was, I was in the backseat, but they like went around they're like, ah, oh, stupid truck driver. And like, to me, I was like, just because this truck is, like, in your way doesn't mean, like, they're not doing their job. Like, the yeah. whole point of just, like, semi-trucks and, like, you know, it's it's always, like, big rigs and four-wheelers. Like, but ultimately, yeah. big rigs, because it's such a, it's a shared space, they need to, and 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 I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir here, but, like, you, like, someone who's driving professionally as their job, they need to drive a lot more defensively for the four-wheelers who are, like, cutting people off or things like that um can
0: i can i cut this off real quick and go take a pee and you can just like edit it yeah is that an option you can take a pee break for sure <laughs> bro i gotta piss so bad i'll be right back
1: all right we're relieved
0: dude i'm so sorry no you're all good so fucking bad
1: honestly i, I have like, like, like one of the smallest pants. bladders in the world so i totally get the, like the i need to like stop and, <laughs> and figure that out
0: yeah, I'm going I'm to let my uncle's dog in real quick. Hold sure, on. yeah. All hope. right, come on. Okay, I'm back. All For right. real this time. For real. Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah, so I think the last point I was hitting on was just like, you know, did you have the ideas or the understanding of just like Big Rig and like, like driving a truck versus like driving a car as like a four-wheeler and or was was any of that like revealed to you when you started to do your training and, and things like that
0: well normally in most cdl schools it's like my school is five weeks i know some of them are shorter and some of them are longer but the first couple of weeks is it's all classwork mm-hmm. and they're pretty much telling you like how driving a tractor trailer works and like a lot of the shit you need to be aware of in traffic and like how hazmat works and like how securing loads works with like flatbed, Mm -hmm. you know, where you have like the flat trailers and say it's like a stack of lumber and you got to throw straps and shit. Yeah. That's a really hard job. That's a really hard job. That's that's like truck
1: driver extremes as far as like (laughs) being very late, a lot more on the labor side. Versus like yeah. you roll up and they load the trailer for you. and
0: Yeah, they unload you. all your shit. Yeah. So it was a lot of that stuff and then a lot of like defensive driving shit and just a lot of like the knowledge of trucking. But I had never realized like being a four-wheeler, you know, that's what we call them in the industry. Like I, yeah. I know you use that term like just now, but I had never realized how people should drive around trucks until I went to trucking school. Yeah. You know, and there were, there were some days that I left class when I would get on the freeway and I would be around a tractor trailer and I'd be like, get the fuck around them. You know, like don't, Mm -hmm. unless you're stuck in traffic where it's like gridlocked and you don't have a choice, like don't hang out behind the trailer. Don't hang out by the tandems, which are the trailer tires. Mm -hmm. Don't hang out in the middle of the trailer and don't hang out beside the truck. Right. Like unless you can absolutely help it, like for this is for anyone that's listening to this podcast right now. I'm going to tell you right now. Yeah, you know, yeah, lay it down. And that, and like this should this should this should have been taught when everyone was getting their licenses when they were like 16 and shit. Mm -hmm. Like, unless you're in traffic and you're around a truck, like get the fuck around us. (laughs) Like don't don't hang out behind the trailer. Like don't hang out in any of the places that I talked about. If you need to get around a truck and a trailer, tractor trailer, semi truck, just pass, you know, cause us, when we're behind the wheel and there's, we always have to have an escape, whether it's the right lane or the left lane, you know? Right. And if you're just, mm-hmm. if you're just sitting there in fucking la la land, like by my trailer tires or the, the back of my trailer, the middle of my trailer, the side of my truck, if something goes on in front of my truck that I can't see and i need to dip into my right lane or my left lane real quick and you're sitting there like you're dead right you know yeah and like or or you're gonna be you're gonna be fucked up no matter how much weight i'm carrying you know because i got this big ass trailer and shit you know big ass Mm -hmm. truck but especially like tailgating like that shit drives me nuts and my uncle my uncle's been driving trucks for like 30 40 years and he always tries to tell me like don't worry about it little brother. Like if, <laughs> if they, if they, if they get behind you and hit you, it's their fault. And I'm like, yeah, I know it's their fault, but people don't, especially cars since they're so low to the ground, like our, our ICC bumper, like the really low bumper that's on the trailer.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, if you rear end me while I'm in my truck, while, while you're in a car, you're going to die. Yeah. Cause that trailer is going to go through your fucking windshield Mm-hmm. and those used to not be a thing back in the day like icc bumpers didn't exist right so so cars just used to get sucked under fucking trucks all the time and they were like oh well we should probably you know invent like a bumper so this stops happening but yeah there was a there's a musician that used to play with a bunch of rock bands i forget i forget what his name is which is kind of disrespectful for me to do but He, it was in like, it was in like Tennessee or some shit and he rear ended a tractor trailer and didn't make it. So Mm -hmm. I want to, I want to use that as an example for people. Like, unless you're in traffic, you know, like stop and go traffic, like get around us, you know, it's not going to help you. It's not going to help me, you know, and I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I had to maneuver out of a situation and ended up hitting someone because of it, you know? Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, like the the big thing that was instilled to me when I was um when I was at uh the trucking company I was working at because like doing all the marketing I have to learn everything on just like the safety aspect because I'm making content for that right so yes. one of the thing the the earliest things that was in, instilled in me is like a, a car. That's going a hundred kilometers or, you know, let's use miles. So like, let's, let's say you're going, what's a hundred. That's like 60. Is that super fast? 60 miles per
0: hour? No, it's like normal speed.
1: Okay. So like, let's say you're going 60 miles per hour and you need to slam on the brakes. Like some kid runs out into the street, like your classic, like slow down kind of those kind of commercials. If you have to slam on your brakes, the, the distance for your car, you know, with good tires and all that shit to come to a complete stop is like within a, a, a few seconds. Let's call it that. Yeah. But for a truck, you know, that's carrying a huge load, a small load doesn't really even matter. Um, doing the same speed to come to a complete s- stop is like, I think I, I can't remember. Again, this is all like telephone tag, but the, <laughs> yeah. um, the example that they showed was like, it's almost like a football field's worth, uh, of Two. distance. Of two, yeah, to, like, come to a complete stop. Not like, Mm -hmm. you know, oh, I'm, like, slowing down to the stop. Like, stopped. Like, I can throw it in park and and step out. And so that's, like, a huge thing that I saw was, like, oh, like, this car that's, like, trying to make this, you know, turn is going to cut out in front of this truck and slam on the brakes because, you know, it's, it's stop and go traffic. But the truck you know, depending on the speed it's going might not actually be able to stop in time. And then it becomes a collision, whether it's minor or major. So, you know, like you, like you were saying, like they don't teach that in like, you're getting your license just to, you know, bullshit your way to to high school. But like everyone, everyone drives past a semi-truck every day. Like that's, yeah, there's, there's no, (laughs) uh, that's not an exaggeration by any means.
0: Yeah, me and my uncle, who's in the fucking, he's in the kitchen right now. I'm in the garage. So him and I, like, we talk on the phone every day because he also drives and, like, we have this conversation every day. And it's like, I wish that, I wish that fucking people when they were going to get their licenses, like, I wish that they had just had like a small course on, like, how to drive around trucks and, like, understand what we, not really what we have to go through, but, like, the measures we have to take to, like, keep everyone else safe.
2: Right. You yeah. know?
0: Mm-hmm. And even even when I'm pulling, like, a 53-foot trailer when I'm empty, like, I can stop pretty fast in my truck because we we have, like, pretty good brakes, and there's a lot of, there's a lot on other trucks, not mine because I drive a Freightliner, but on the Volvo, like, they have sensors and shit where if it yeah. senses, like, something in front of you, like, brakes will automatically, the brakes will automatically come on and stuff. Sure you know?
1: Are you driving but, a
2: Cascadia?
0: For yeah. Oh, okay, I dr- cool. Yeah, I drive a 2019 Cascadia, but cool. like 20,000 pounds or like 15,000 pounds isn't really that heavy, especially when you get in the low thousands. That's like light. Like, you might as well be empty, but if I'm hauling anything between like 30 and 40 and above, like, that's fucking heavy as shit. You can feel it. Right. You know? You can feel it when you're pulling it, and when you're fully loaded like that and you have to come to a stop, like it does take two or three football fields to stop. Right. And it's, it's, there's a sticker right by our mirrors on our windows where it says that like, it's Mm -hmm. like 62 miles an hour, seven seconds to save somebody's life. Yeah. And like anyone that's listening to this show, like, I want you to take, I want you to take that into account the next time that you cut one of us off or that you go in front of us and like you slam on your brakes because something's happening in front of you. You know, like I understand that people that just drive normal cars and that like live a normal life, like they're not trained to be professional drivers like I am. Yeah. But if they could if they could take any piece of advice from what I'm saying, it's, you need to be hundred percent aware of what's going on, going on around you at all times, just in like that split second, you know, like some shit could happen. Yeah, you know, so like people need to not only be aware of their surroundings and stuff, but just driving around tractor trailers or semi trucks, like you need to be extra aware of pretty much all the shit that I mentioned. Yeah. You know, like just don't don't hang out around us unless you are in traffic and you're, or like you're like gridlocked and you have to be around us. Like if you can get around us, get around us. You know.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think um, like. I think the thing that was always like the thing that was really eye-opening to me was the company I worked for, it was mandatory for any new hire, whether you were working the dispatch floor, you where you're working in the marketing department or you were working the fucking wash bay, was to do was to do a, <laughs> a ride along. So what that was is you go out for a day, um, either someone who's maybe doing a regional thing that they're back at the office in like, yeah,
0: dedicated.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If they're yeah. dedicated or they're a city driver and it was mind blowing, just like seeing like essentially cause, cause we on the marketing team tried to push the professional driver versus just like a truck driver or a trucker. Um, because it truly is like people that you know they get a specific license even qualified to drive for a trucking company and it's a fucking
0: trade yeah yeah, yeah exactly that's right so, man
1: like to, to see them be like oh here's this guy he's gonna cut and lo and behold he cuts in front or like he you know maneuvers in a weird way so i'm not even
0: kidding man like once you do this shit long enough especially even when i'm in like a personal car like you can read the body language of cars and what they're going to do for sure for it's sure. fucking crazy man
1: yeah yeah i i think it's you know i think it's really uh important for us to be hitting on a lot of these things cuz it applies again to everyday life like you drive like you know i think my you know my dad is like a vp at the company that i used to work for so he was like you know instilling like my grandpa worked for uh rhymer i don't know if uh you know of them Um, no i think i think that they're like a canadian uh chain they're they're really not like really doing much anymore but he worked it was like my whole family was into trucking and growing up i was like there's no way i'm gonna be working at bison transport (laughs) like you're you know you'll have to haul my dead body out before that happens but like I, i know
0: bison bro of I see them all yeah. the time. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. see bison all the fucking time.
1: Yeah. And, um, you know, so all that being said is, like, he he was always, like, everything moves by truck at some point. Like, the Budweiser you took a sip of, the fucking skateboard mm-hmm. that's over here, yep. anything that came, like, at some point, whether it comes from overseas or whatever, like, it moves from a truck to the store that you bought it from or what what have you.
0: So yeah, it's, cr- it's crazy. I never really thought of it in that aspect, but my uncle has always said like, like the only thing that doesn't come in a truck is a baby.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's
0: literally yeah. fucking true. Cause like you can drive around a neighborhood and like you look at the grass in someone's front lawn and like the mulch and the seed from grass came on a flatbed yep. in a bag. Yeah. Or like you look at the concrete in the street or on the sidewalk, like that came on a flatbed.
2: Yeah,
0: all, the ga- the gas, the gas in your the, car. Yeah,
1: all of the hospital supplies to deliver that baby came
0: on a truck. Yeah, yeah. All the va- all the vaccines from COVID, like eventually <laughs> have to go on a truck. You know, <laughs> it's <laughs> like, true. Yeah, all the water people are drinking. Like I've, I started trucking like right after the peak of uh, COVID. Like when it hit in March of last year, really heavy. And I was hauling toilet paper like a motherfucker, bro. Oh, I can only imagine. I was was hauling toilet paper like a motherfucker, man. And like kind of off topic, but me and my dad talk about this all the time because he's like a huge prepper, like survivalist dude. And it's like, out of all the things that people could hoard, like during this pandemic, why the fuck is everyone hoarding toilet paper? You know, yeah, because I'd be going, I'd be going for like gallons of water, like cans of soup, like cans of beans, like yeah. shit that can last a long time. You know, so if I have to camp out in the woods with fucking cans of food and like a couple rifles and like handguns and shit, you know, but people want to hoard, people want to hoard like toilet paper, you know, like come on, man.
1: yeah, I know, like I'm, I'm sure the people that were stocking up. Uh, un unnecessarily with toilet people are the same people that are like, you're taking away my freedoms by doing like yeah. forcing me to wear a mask So
0: yeah. And it's it's crazy because like we were coined the heroes of the pandemic, but once like people got comfortable with the pandemic and like once shit kind of started settling down, you nice. know, people are back to like cutting us off and flipping us off and shit. Right. You know? What's
1: <laughs> what's the wildest thing that's that's happened on the road, whether like a four wheeler kind of just getting under your skin or just like something like wildlife related that you saw. I'm just, since we're on the topic, I'm kind of curious.
0: A lot of, I haven't told a lot of my friends or family members about this because I don't want them to worry, you know, while I'm sure. on the road, right. but like the craziest, the craziest shit that I've been through, cause I've been driving for seven months. So I'm like, I'm kind of still a rookie, you know, quote unquote. mm mm-hmm. But I I have a little bit of experience, like I I know what I'm doing now, but so this winter's been really rough. Like November was kind of rough. I got stuck in a blizzard in New York and like that was pretty shitty, but December and January weren't really that bad. And I know that's like really heavy winter months for like most places Mm -hmm. around the country. Yeah.
2: Yeah
1: winter driving for a truck is like it's one thing to be like oh I got stuck on my way to work like like you like it's a way different beast because I I saw yeah. you were shut down uh a number of times
0: uh, I've been yeah no I've been shut down a bunch but uh January and February were fucking rough because like I went to San Diego for my birthday and I stayed in the truck from December thirtieth until the end of February or the beginning of March.
2: It's oh, so like literally okay.
0: just a week ago. So I was out for like two and a half months and, uh, I was out in Montana and I had stayed at this truck stop. That's like right by a strip club that has like a, it's a, it's a bar with a, it's a regular bar. with like a titty bar, you know? So I stayed there Can't. and like had me a little fun, you know? So, sure. I went I went out the next morning. I was just like, whatever. And it was still snowing and shit, but it wasn't snowing really hard. It was just kind of dusting. And the whole it was uh it was on 90 east in Montana, out by Missoula, if anyone knows what I'm talking about. But um I had just left Missoula and the whole left lane was all snow and ice, and you can see that shit, you know, mm-hmm. like if you've been if you've been out here long enough. And you know what the fuck you're doing. You know what you're looking for. Like, you can you can see snow and ice when when you fucking see it, you know? Sure, yeah. The whole left lane is snow and ice, but I'm in the right lane on a two-lane fucking highway on 90. And the right lane has been uh, plowed, salted, and brimmed. So, salted and brimmed is, like, kind of the same shit. So, like, the road gets salted, and then it gets covered with this brown, like, dirt-type shit Mm -hmm. that's supposed to give you a little bit of traction. And there were tracks from like cars and other trucks in my lane. So I could see the blacktop, you know, but there's a bunch of snow and ice around it and stuff. And I was like, well, I have about 28,000 pounds or 22,000 pounds, which is, which isn't super heavy, but it's not super light. Right. Cause like the heavy, the heavier you are in those kind of conditions, the better you're off cause you have more traction sure. obviously yeah. mm-hmm. on your drives and on your tandems on your trailer tires. So. I'm, like, driving and stuff, and uh, I'm going 50 in, like, a 65 or a 70, which is still too fast for those conditions, but I was like, well, I mean, my lane's been plowed and salted, and there's tracks and stuff, and I can see the asphalt, and I got cocky, you know? So I'm driving 50, you know, where I feel comfortable to where I can still run a little fast and, like, make miles and shit, you sure. know? Because yeah. that's that's the name of the game. Mm-hmm. And I had just started sitting pretty low to the floor because our seats are air controlled. So I was sitting on the floor and then I feel my drive tires kick out. And I'm like, oh, fuck. And then all of a sudden I start sliding this way to the right, you know, and uh, I see my trailer coming around in my mirror and I'm like, damn, (laughs) I was like, all right, it's going down. I was like, "It's gonna happen like this." So, normally, most people would slam on the gas or the brakes to because they want to panic, you know. But the right. worst thing that, especially in a car, for anyone that's listening, like the worst thing that you can do is slam on your brakes when you're in a slide because you'll just keep sliding. Mm-hmm. Or if you're if you punch it, I mean, in a in a semi truck, it's different because when you punch it, you get traction, you can straighten out. But in a car. No matter what, you're just gonna keep sliding, whether yeah. you're whether you're on your gas or your brakes. So um I'm surprised that I didn't forget anything that I was taught, especially by my uncle, because he taught he told me to just put my feet on the floor and steer when I'm gonna slide. So mm-hmm. I started sliding all the way this way to the right. And then it was so fucking nuts because all this adrenaline was happening. But in the blink of an eye, I see fucking like like that my trailer goes from my right mirror to my left mirror i had never seen anything like that it was like boom my fucking trailer is already over here and i'm like dude i was like i'm probably gonna die like that like this is it you know like like i'm not there's no way i can recover from this and so my trailer is like pretty much all the way on my left and my tractor is completely facing at like a 90 degree angle Mm -hmm. where i'm looking looking like straight parallel to the fucking oncoming traffic i'm like sitting like this you know yeah so i'm just completely sideways and in my mind like somehow i was so fucking like scared but i still had like my training in the back of my head and i was like i think i have one more counter steer to like put it straight you know because you never want to steer into your slide when you're on snow and ice you want to steer out of it you want to counter steer so I'm all the fucking way left. And then I'm like, I have one more counter steer before I'm in the ditch. Cause I already thought I was going in the ditch, you know, mm-hmm. cause I was facing it. So I counter seared one more time and I'm straight again, just magically. Yeah. Just all the way fucking straight. And I've, <laughs> I was, I was listening to fucking bones while all this shit was going on. <laughs> so I literally like shut my stereo off and was just sitting in silence and I like had to smoke a cigarette real quick to like fucking calm down, you know? Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh my yeah, God, sure. bro. Like this shit is crazy. And I had my radio, you know, the CB, and there was a, there was a guy behind me that watched the whole thing happen and I was like, I'm okay. He yeah. didn't say anything back, but I was just like, I'm okay. You yeah. know? Yeah. But my heart, my heart was like beating out of my fucking chest and I was like, "Bro, <laughs> like that shit was crazy, you know? But yeah. But that, I drove pretty. Sl- I that, drove pretty slow after that. <laughs> yeah,
1: but that's always the thing. Like I would hear from people that either were driving for two years or twenty years. Like you know, it's those moment. It's it's any moment where you get cocky or you overestimate or you're just like, oh, I really like. It's only it's only ten miles before I get you know to my stop or you know that yeah. where, where those yep. instances happen. But uh, in the same token. Mm-hmm like having all the training that you had to like assess and like, you know, okay, what are my options for, you know, maneuvering out of, out of this situation? Um, Because I'm sure there's a lot of truck drivers or four wheelers definitely who, you know, they would be in the ditch like long before that. um, Yeah. You know, without that training for sure.
0: Before that, I had seen a few people in the ditch Literally, the the day before that incident happened with me, I was coming down Liberty Pass, which is the, it's like the, it's a six percent downgrade, so it's like a pretty far uh, decline mm-hmm. or incline, depending on which way you're going. But it's between like Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and like the border of Montana.
2: Oh, okay, yep.
0: And I had cu- I had come up on like this pickup truck that had the emergency cones out and he was like, slow down. And I was already going like 30 and I kind of looked at him and I was like, fuck you, bro. Like, <laughs> what do you mean? And I came around the corner and there was a Swift truck that had like, they had hit the barrier with their trailer and their whole fucking tractor had like spun around and smashed into the barrier and came back around the other side. Oh my god! And it was just mangled into fucking pieces, bro. And mm-hmm. for anyone that knows anything about trucking, like everyone shits on Swift. <laughs> Yeah. So, like, so, like, that dude got fucked up. And then I went like five more miles down the road. And there was a whole truck that had gone off the road and flipped into the woods, like, full tractor trailer, just upside down. Mm-hmm. And I was like, damn. But I had, I, I had only had like 140 miles to go to the truck stop with the titty bar. So I went and stayed there. And that was the, that was, um, the day after all that shit happened, but I got caught. I was in Wyoming, which is every trucker's worst nightmare because they have the worst wind in the country.
3: Yeah. Like
0: I've gotten, uh, before winter, it was like September, October, but I'd gotten caught and I've been caught in so many wind storms in Wyoming cause it's normal, mm-hmm. but they get like 60, 70 mile an hour winds. And then a truck that's, you're pretty much a sailboat. Even yeah. if you're loaded. So I was in I was in winds that people would shut down in but I was pretty new and I was also pretty heavy in the box so I just kept going and I was just fighting it cuz when you're driving in the wind you're literally your wheels like this and you're holding it there so you can stay in your lane that's how strong the fucking wind is in those things so yeah. I'm driving along and I I come I come across this like tipped over truck and it had just happened And the cops were just getting there. So I knew I knew like dude was still inside, you know. Oh, fuck. And I drove like a mile ahead and I saw another truck like that, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: where
0: like the cops had just gotten in there and I knew that that the guy was still inside or a woman or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, because there's women driving trucks and shit. So yeah, for sure. I drove like four or five miles ahead and my dispatcher calls me and I'm like, Hey, what's up? And she's like, Yo, you need to shut down right now. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I know. I just saw, like, two fresh rollovers. And she's like, what the fuck? But, yeah, I was in in Wyoming right at the start of winter. And, like, or not at the start, but when shit got really bad in, like, January or February, like I was telling you about. Yeah. And I drove through a blizzard for, like, 400 miles. And this was right after I got my radio. So, I was right behind, like, five other guys. And we were all in tandem just talking on the radio. Mm and they were all just like letting us know about accidents that were happening and it was cool cuz the camaraderie and trucking has like died a bit but like in that moment when I'm driving for 8 hours through a blizzard going 25 miles an hour like these other five guys are just like helping me through this shit you know
2: sure yeah and totally. and we
0: we're, we're all we're all like helping each other to do this shit but i had planned to drive out of wyoming during that and we got shut down like right before Laramie, which is where shit gets bad. And we got shut down, but along that drive I saw trucks and and cars in the ditch like the whole fucking time. Sure. Yeah. Straight and, up. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think like, you know, I, I like naturally interviewing truck drivers when I when I was working at Bison, like, you know, the thing that I always heard was like there are there are for sure certain conditions that are like you should not be on the road like but there are certain conditions for a truck depending you know on how much you're hauling and things like that where you can go like 20 kilometers an hour or like 10 miles per hour if you want to but if it's in your (laughs) if your perspective if, if it's like i'm just it's better for me to shut down and wait for this to blow over by the morning, or or assess yeah. it in the morning at least. Then, then mm-hmm. you play. Then you play those games. But um,
0: the, yeah, that's all up to the driver. I yeah. mean, our company wants us to chain or like throw cables, which are like chains. But you have instead of like straight up drag chains, you have these weird looking cables that are like wires, and you connect them in the back, and you connect them in the front, and they want you to they always want you to chain up because they're like a mega carrier. So they always want you to chain up or throw cables, but that whole process sucks and you can only go 25 miles an hour. And like a lot of the older guys that have been out here for a bit, they're like, if it's bad enough to where you have to chain or throw cables, like shut down. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like if it, if it's bad enough to where you have to put on shit to prevent you from like eating shit, you know, it's, it's, it's better to shut down and wait it out if you got food and water in your truck than to like save your career. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: And and, and you alluded to it a little bit early on, but like for those that don't know, like truck drivers make their living when their wheels are turning. Like unless you're a city driver and you work nine to five and you're just driving around the city and then you go home. If you're doing a long haul run, like you get paid, like every carrier is different as far as how much they pay per mile. So it becomes this big game of like oh well if I shut down then my paycheck won't be this and blah 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 so it's it's like I feel for a lot of people that that make their living that way and I respect the hell to people who you know will choose uh, a far safer option versus like I'm just trying to burn and turn
2: ultimately.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean with my company, like we get paid per we get paid per mile. So we have like a mileage rate, but we also have uh guaranteed pay
3: mm-hmm. every
0: day. So it's, oh, like, a okay.
3: it's like a flat
0: rate. Like a flat rate of like a certain dollar amount. It's like a hundred something bucks, depending on how much experience you have. Like mine mine was dog shit, but it's like kind of high now for like yeah, it my goes guaranteed. Up over time. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. So like my guaranteed rate is pretty high and my cents per mileage is like okay. You know, for seven for seven months of driving, but a lot of people that are very deep into the game have trucking jobs where they're getting paid like 51 or like 53 cents a mile, which is like a shit ton of money. Yeah. You know, sure. it's like a it's like a good amount of money for someone that's like driving and shit. Mm-hmm. That's a company driver that isn't an owner operator. And yeah. when you're making that kind of money and you don't have a guaranteed weekly pay like I do, like your money relies on the miles you run yeah so like if if you're not if you're not keeping left door shut as we call it if you're not if you're not left door shut and you're not fucking rolling miles you're not making money yeah but the cool thing that a lot of these companies have is they have like a breakdown pay so if like your truck breaks down like because of mechanical failure or if you're stuck in like wind or ice or snow or whatever like they'll pay you a flat rate mm-hmm. to just stay there yeah. so yeah, I that's think it's, pretty cool. I think
1: it's real crucial if if any like if there's one or two people who are listening who are like either in that market or they're thinking about it. Like it's like doing like carrier shopping is like really really important because that was something I learned too. Yeah. It's like um, you know there are certain industries that you can like bounce around, or there might be like people that like headhunt you to jump around, but truck drivers largely are like very loyal. Like when they get on a carrier that takes care of them, like, and there's no reason to maybe go to another one like that, like a lot of drivers, at least at Bison were there for like 20 plus years just because it was like, like, yeah, like I'm, I'm being taken care of. Why, why do I need to go and drive for TransX or whoever it is?
0: Yeah. I mean, like when you find that good company that pays you the amount that you want to be paid and they give you my, cause like miles are very fucking important. Cause like, for sure. Once, once you get past that year threshold, because like most, most good respectable companies that are going to pay you worth a fuck, they're not going to hire you unless you have a year under your belt. And like some companies are two years, like the really yeah. good companies are like two years, you yeah. know, and like once you have that amount of experience under your belt, like you really need to do your research and go to a company that's going to pay you a good cents per mile rate, but you want to look at benefits, you want to look at breakdown pay. And you want to look at like all the other shit like that yeah? because a company could pay you like 53 cents a mile, but they don't, they don't have good benefits or they don't have breakdown pay or retention pay.
4: Right. You know, cause
0: I've, I've gotten caught stuck sitting at like a shipper receiver for like nine hours before. And like yeah. our, our detention pay doesn't kick in until like five or six hours after you've been on the door. Mm-hmm. And like some, com- a lot of the smaller companies that pay a lot of money, it's, it kicks in sooner than that and like you have to look into shit like that you know because it because like i'm eating like i'm making decent money but like i'm eating the shit with the grin when i have to sit in bad weather or sit on a dock for longer than i have to but like you just have to deal with it in your first year Mm -hmm. it's kind of it's kind of like prospecting essentially in that in that like regard where you have to like earn your stripes you know
1: very similar to like being in a in a band and going on your first tour to a degree, right? So yeah, no, I think Ryan, I think we could easily talk about trucking and and things for another like one or two hours, but we've been going for a minute, so we should probably uh, start to wrap up the show and and I hope that you know people that are listening that have made it this far in um have some new takeaways as far as you know, the next time they, even if they're in their car right now and they're driving past the semi that to assess, like to try and drive with them in mind a lot more than just like, oh, here's this big truck that's in my way, you know? you know Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah, so uh, the last question that I have all my guests on the podcast here answer, Ryan, is a favorite mosh story that you would like to share. So obviously that doesn't need to necessarily be something that's like absence of mind related or like I punched this dude uh or whatever whatever is like the first thing to your mind is kind of how we start to wrap up the show
0: um i'll save the funniest one for last but sure. okay i think i think like personally for me like just going to shows like being on the the floor side of things like not on the stage was i'm like super into suburban scum like i think that band's fucking awesome okay. and I went and saw them at the Echo in LA in like 2014 or 2015. And it was with misery and bent life and. Okay. Stacked. Yeah. It was crazy ass gig, bro. Yeah. And so suburban scum opens up and like the feedback's kicking on and like Dude is all like, we're fucking suburban scum or whatever, and I'm like standing there, and I'm I'm probably like nineteen or twenty at this point, yeah, and I'm I'm, I'm all like, yeah, suburban scum, <laughs> and then this dude, I just I look over to my left, and this dude's like flying through the air and just bink on the top of my head, <laughs> straight up fucking punches me in the top of the head, you know,
1: just like your phone. Just falling right
0: there. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was you. I, I guess, that was literally yeah, I guess, you when you come. Yeah. I guess that was timed perfectly. But <laughs> like, I just look over to my left and this dude's just flying through the air and just bink on the top of my head. But yeah. I'd say the other funniest one was I saw, te- it was like terror backtracking Bane at epicenter in San Diego, like a year before that.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And I was like 18 or 19 and I'm like moshing the to, to terror or whatever and then the next thing I know I'm being carried to like the office of the venue by like two people. Oh, (laughs) and, uh, there's a crucial, there's a crucial
2: uh, gap there.
0: (laughs) No. Yeah. I was moshing and got knocked the fuck out. That's the gap. So I'm being carried by like, I'm being carried by like two people to the fucking office. And, uh, the guy that used to run Epicenter was like an EMT or whatever. So oh, okay. he's all he's all shining a flashlight in my eyes and shit. And he was all like, do you know where you are right now? And I'm like, no. And I was wearing a terror shirt that I had bought at the show. Right. And I'm like looking at my shirt. And I'm like, dude, this shirt's sick as fuck. Like, where'd I get this? Like, this should, like, dude, <laughs> oh this my sh- gosh. Like, like, where'd I get this shirt? And he was like, did you drive here? And I was like, uh, I don't know. And my car was sitting in the parking lot. And he was like, yeah, you for sure have a concussion. But I would say like the funniest mosh story was uh, I have posted this video on my Instagram a couple times. But when we were playing like the last song of our set at LDB, Rudy did a front flip on the stage and his foot came down and kicked like this guy in the fucking nuts. Like right oh, in front of the really? stage. Yeah. I'll send you the video after we're done on the podcast. But
1: is it? Can I watch it right now? It, it it's on your Instagram.
0: No, it's oh, not on okay. my page. It's not on my page. I posted it on my story, but I can okay. send it to you. Yeah, after send this, it to me after. <laughs> yeah, like we're we were supposed to play like intro into Will of Gods, but our set got cut short because we went over a little bit. So we're playing the intro, and I I was like launching into a solo, so I didn't see any of this shit happening. But right. I, I have the video from like the the YouTube fucking shit, you know. And Rudy does like a like a front, front front flip, like somersault thing, and he lands on his back. And his he's wearing dots, so his fucking boot just comes around and just hits this fucking guy in the nuts.
2: Oh and he, my gosh.
0: The guy he hit in the nuts isn't he – we're not, like, super close, but he's an acquaintance of mine. So, like, like he's asked me for the video and shit. But it's so funny because, like, Rudy front flips, and then the guy gets kicked in the nuts, and then automatically when he gets hit, he's like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is so funny, <laughs> Like, you see his you see his mouth, like, go into an O, and he's yeah. just like, oh, my... Yeah, this yeah the funny. cartoon,
1: the eyes come out of the sockets and everything. Oh, that's so funny.
0: Yeah, like, uh one thing I could add before this shit wraps up is uh, yep. if anyone's listening to this podcast and they're interested in becoming a trucker or a professional driver, uh don't hesitate to hit me up. I'm not, like, a gatekeeper in any sense, and I'm not too cool for shit, so if anyone's interested in getting into like my line of work or like just any kind of CDLA work to hit me up. Um, my at on Instagram is RNC GTR. I'm not on Twitter or anything. So right. Yeah. Just, just hit me up. Um One thing I admired about one of your previous episodes was Andrew. I listened to the one with Andrew from I am.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I fucking love that band. And he was talking about riding motorcycles. And I'm into motorcycles, too.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm getting a bike this summer. And he was saying, like, oh, one okay. w- yeah, one thing you have to come to terms with riding a motorcycle is the fact that, like, you're going to crash or you're probably going to fucking die on the thing.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's a huge thing with driving truck, too, is, like, you're at a 70% chance of getting into an accident when you get behind the wheel one of these things. So if anyone is considering this line of work you just have to keep that in mind that it's a very dangerous job so yeah but if anybody if anyone's listening to this shit and they're interested just hit me up and i'll give you my phone number we can talk on instagram or whatever but i'll give you the whole fucking rundown on how to do shit yeah and how to not and how to not get fucked out of getting a job because a lot of these companies out here will try to rope you into the whole get your CDL for free shit and you you're pretty much their slave for a year or two, but I'll teach you how to get around all that. If you're interested into it, you know? Yeah. Like
1: if it wasn't apparent, a huge goal of mine like with this interview with Ryan was to, you know, hopefully bring some new attention and just understanding around like semi trucks and how like driving around them is, is so crucial and to give them, like the space that they need because they drive so differently and and i knew that you know we were gonna joke and talk about band stuff and hardcore but like (laughs) like like clearly you've listened to a number of episodes you know the importance for me of like talking about the different things um that are hardcore related so i really appreciate you know you giving me two hours of your of your night to to chat about all all those things and and i hope that uh you know, whether I'm seeing your truck ripping down the road one of these days or we get to <laughs> hang at a show, whatever comes first. Um, I'm just looking forward to it. And I really appreciate you coming on, Ryan. This has been really
0: fun. Yeah, I appreciate you having me, man. It's been fun. And uh I guess one last thing to add on the music side of things is. Sure. No matter, no matter whether you're doing like hardcore rock and roll or punk or SoundCloud rap, you know, like. There's always going to be people out there that don't approve of what you're doing and that are going to talk shit and that are going to hate on you, but you just got to fucking do it anyways. You know? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, you know, things couldn't have been ended any better. Um, all of Ryan's stuff will be in the description of the video, in the show notes, all that stuff. Um, again, thank you so much for coming on, man, and jamming and this. We'll, we'll definitely do this again very, very soon.
0: Yeah, man. Thank you for having me.